Learn Persian with Chai and Conversation. Growing Up Irani interview with Shali Zomorodi. And welcome to Learn Persian with Chayan Conversation podcast, where we interview prominent members of the Iranian diaspora and ask them about their relationship to the Iranian culture and Persian language. I'm your host, Leila Shams, and I'm so excited to share with you today my interview with the one and only Shali Zomorodi. You must already be familiar with Shali. She's one of the more well-known and incredibly prolific members of the diaspora. Her day job is as a news anchor of Fox 5 San Diego Morning News, where she's been waking up San Diego for more than a decade now. Her journalism career spans over two decades at this point, including a two-year stint in Texas, where I live. But over the years, she's also been heavily involved in the greater Iranian community. Through her show, Betty Zobepaz, through the many lives she does on her Instagram page, interviewing other Iranians, or giving glimpses into her embrace of Iranian traditions in her own home, through her Iranian qair breaks on her morning news show, and so, so much more. I had a lot of questions to ask Shali after having watched her develop into such a force in the past few years, and especially over the last year. So let's get into it. My interview with Shali Zomorodi. Enjoy. So Shali Zomorodi, thank you so much for talking with me today. Of course, it's such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, you're such an icon in our community, and <laughs> I've really enjoyed watching uh, all the work you've been doing the past few years, and I'm in awe of how much work you've been doing, which I'll ask you about. But I'm going to assume most people are familiar with you and your work listening to us uh, and your story. So you you actually were born in the U.S., is that right? It is, yes. I'm a California girl. So then this series is called Growing Up Iruni, and I really dive into you know your relationship with Iranian culture and how you speak the Persian language. And you have, you know, that's very unique about you is that you grew up in America, but you speak without an accent, Farsi, and perfectly, and you're so well, involved. Well, I don't know about the whole I don't have an accent part. <laughs> okay, to, to another Iranian who grew up in Texas, <laughs> you do really well. So let's get into it a little bit. How did you, or where did you grow up, and what was your relationship with Iranian culture growing up? Okay, so my parents, my parents are both from Iran. I've shared this before. My mom's side of the family, the Shomali Rashti Tijana Horban, my dad from Tehran, he actually came to California way before he married my mom, who was in Iran, and went to school here in Northern California, Chico and Berkeley, went back and met my mom. A few weeks later, they got married, and he brought her back here to the U.S., and they started their life here. And I think I was uh, created with love probably on the night of their wedding because they had me very, very quickly. My mom living here in the U.S. didn't speak any English. And had me uh, nine nine months later, ten months later, and I was born in Chico, California. Lived my entire life in the United States, mostly primarily in California. I went back to Iran twice. The first time I think I was eight months. The second time I was four years old, and I haven't been back to Iran since. Most of my family lives there. Probably a good eighty percent of my family, my grandma, my aunts, cousins, I have never met before. 
And and my whole life has been here in, in the U.S. the whole time. Well, so in our courses, in our Persian courses, we have a lot of people like you and me who grew up. I, I think we're actually the same age, too. And I grew up in Texas. But my mom taught Farsi, and I, that's what kept me really interested and kept me speaking it. And I think that that's pretty unique in our generation. Uh, I have a lot of students who are just so, you know, either resentful of their parents for not keeping them speaking the Persian language or they are very sad that they didn't keep it up. What do you think makes you different? Like what what kept you going? I wish my kids were listening to this as I'm putting them in like Persian school in Farsi I class. Know. They're like, come on, mom. I don't, I don't know what I want to learn Farsi. I don't need it here. Um, you know, it, for me, it was the sounds of Iran the smell and the food of Iran. I grew up with that, right? My mom only knew how to speak Farsi. So when I was a baby, at my root and my core was Gorma Sabzi, Rice, Tadik. That's what I grew up with as a baby growing up in a completely different country. My father, um, who is a PhD and an engineer, plays the Santur, the Tombak, the Ney. And, is, and uh, I grew up going to bed at night with a pillow, listening to that music. So it was living in like a two different worlds in one way. Okay. We're here in the U S and we eat hamburgers and mac and cheese here, but yet I'm going to chow down some chola kebab and, you know, and whatnot, listen to Shajari on and Haid. So that's how I grew up. I resisted it. There was a time that I put this away. And just like I see my kids trying to do right now, when you don't need the language and you don't need all of this culture, you're trying to assimilate and, and be like the rest of the kids, you push it away. Believe it or not, by the time I was 18, I couldn't speak Farsi at all anymore. Oh, I don't believe it. Wow. Okay. What was your mother's journey at that point? Had she started learning English? She learned English through watching TV and Oprah because she wanted to also be, you know, a part and she had to live here now. She wasn't going back to Iran. So she started to learn to speak English. My dad, since he studied here, already spoke English. And I just forgot to be Iranian in some way. You know, I just okay. became a California kid. And then... Fast forward as time went on, there was still always something a part of me. Like I still wanted the cultural shows. I'm like, hey, look, this is kind of cool. Look at how we dance and look at our food. But it was definitely not a priority for me. And at that point, when you were going to school, did you feel like you were Iranian or how did you did you talk about being Iranian or was it were you pretty assimilated at that point? It's a great question. I think younger, I didn't understand what it was to be. I don't think any of us are. That's taught behavior, right? That you're Iranian, you're Greek, you're Italian. My kids for a while, my four babies now, I know most people know I have four kids and they're learning those things that there's differences, right? There was a time when I was younger that they gave me a really hard time about being Iranian. I didn't understand in school why they called me an Iranian terrorist. I didn't understand why they would make fun of my, and they still do, my eyebrows and my dark features. And I still have people, even back then, would say, well, go back home. And I'm like, wait a minute, I am home. <laughs> what do you mean go back home? So there was a time that it was difficult. And I just think I just kind of pushed that back and just wanted to be a California kid. Fast forward many years, I met my husband who was born in Iran and came here at seven years old. And 
for a multitude of reasons, all of that came back up for me in my 20s. And now I hold my head very proud and high and say that I'm an Iranian woman. My family's from Iran and I'm proud. Salam behamigi. It's almost time for Nowruz, also known as the Persian New Year. This occurs on the first day of spring all throughout the world, so exactly at the moment of the spring equinox. This year, that will be on March 19th. There are a host of exciting traditions that we follow for Nowruz, and here at Chai in Conversation, it also means it's the start of our free six-week-long Learn Persian Boot Camp, Nowruz edition. So what exactly is this boot camp? Starting Monday, March 25th, over the course of six weeks, I'll send you weekly assignments to finally learn the Persian language, whether you're a complete beginner or a more intermediate or advanced learner. And you'll be joined by a community of other enthusiastic learners to practice and commiserate with. The lessons are pre-recorded so you can do them on your own time, but there are also plenty of opportunities to join live practice sessions to try out what you've learned. Go to our website at chayanconversation.com and click the link at the top of the page to find out more and join thousands of other Persian language learners on this exciting journey. Happy almost Nowruz and see you at the boot camp. So your language journey, was it through your husband that you got back into the language? At 18, you weren't speaking at all. And then what age was it that you started speaking again? So my husband and I met uh, 20 something years ago. And he, when we met, he had a Sharam Shapare. And you know now my obsession with Sharam Shapare. Yes, absolutely. A, a, a CD. <laughs> and he, that's how he wooed me. And it brought back all those memories of when I was a kid again. So I started listening again to Persian music and and really connecting with what the best memories of my childhood. All of us, I mean, if we, if we have a good childhood, we want to go back there. And even if we don't have good childhoods, we have connections to all of that, right? And then I started working for ABC, some other stations. And it was that time that I became a reporter for Voice of America, where I was, I lived in Texas, girl. Where did you live? What? I live in Austin. Okay. I was in Beaumont, Texas. Wow. I, yeah, I real for, Texas. Yeah. Real Texas. For two years, I was a reporter for an ABC affiliate and my husband and I got engaged and I wanted to move home back to California. It was like the only time I was away from my family. And the job I took was to be a video journalist for Voice of America in Farsi. Can we talk about wow. two or three really difficult, challenging, traumatic, horrible years of my life in my career, trying to communicate being a journalist in a language that was not my first language. I mean, there were definitely wow. tears in those few years. Wow. And you'd, exp- you'd uh, describe it as traumatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. You can't communicate. Like, wh- how, what is that feeling like? And as someone like me, who's a journalist that right. has such a Words command, so right? Power in talking and expressing myself and now try to do that in Farsi. So it was difficult. Having said that, I learned Farsi again. <laughs> okay. The okay. So through trauma, is the, okay. <laughs> right. Note to people. Okay. <laughs> it was forced though. I needed to learn right. to communicate and that started me speaking and speaking and speaking. And, and now I won't go back. Now it's back. But it was there from when I was a kid. It just got, you know, put back here. Okay. But in an alternate universe, say you had married like an American man. Maybe you would never 
be back to speaking. You would just, you know, be on your morning show and just get. Probably. I mean, probably unless you need a language, you know, right now my kids, I want them to be able to speak that language. I tell them all the time, there's going to be a day kids that you're going to, you're going to regret. It's like, mommy, I can't read or write Farsi. I tried to learn for a while and I should take that back. I am now starting to read and write Farsi because I want to learn, but it's not something that if you're not going to use it every day, it's easy to forget. I meet so many uh, generations of people now that they just have grown up in the US or in Europe or wherever they're growing up. So if they don't need it, why would they want to use it? Right? Right. Well, the original uh, premise for my series when I started this interview series was called Raising Nimrunis, where I would interview people who were married to non-Iranians and how they were keeping the language up with their kids. Yes. And uh, everyone would say that it's very important. I would ask, is it important? And everyone would say, it's super important, but no one was able to do it. So you're not alone. It's really, really challenging. I have three kids as well, so I know it's very challenging, especially I'm married to an American man who can't speak Farsi. So it's very challenging. But why? what is your pitch to why it's important? What do you tell your kids? And how are you keeping that alive? Well, for my kids, I make it exciting. And I tell them you're speaking a code language that most people won't be able to understand you. And that is really cool to be able to do that. But just like I teach them right now, my kids are all playing an instrument. And most of the kids are playing an Iranian-based instrument. I tell them that with language, food, music, this is a way that we communicate with other people. So at the end of the day, your mom is the daughter of your grandma and grandpa on both sides that are from Iran. And we want to keep that language alive so that 10, 15 years from now, you go back to Iran, which I'm very hopeful that day will come very soon we get to communicate on that street when we're going to like Italy and Greece and we're putting our Google translator, wait, how do you say this? We get to do that, you know? So that ability to be able to communicate with other human beings, especially when you're my child, where I think it's the most important thing is communication with people is cool to do, whether it's through food, music, language, dance, all of these. And language is just another one of those ways I do it. Absolutely. And it seems like, I mean, Iran being Iranian is so such a big part of your identity and you devote so much time to it, which I want to talk about, too, because you have a full time job like you have, you know, this morning show that you wake up at three in the morning to go do. (laughs) Yes, three in the morning to go do you but you're so active. And so you put so much energy and love into, you know, talking to Iranians and uh, on your Instagram page, having lives with people, talk, having your own cooking show, even yeah, in Farsi, yeah, in Farsi, I mean, it is oh. yes, it is amazing. <laughs> well, we started the berries of Abbas again. This is just challenging, right? Challenging my brain. I would look at some of these spices, and I would be like, "Oh my gosh, what is this in Farsi?" Yeah, um, but I just got <laughs> to the point that I said, "I'm going to accept that I am like this American California girl." who identifies with being Iranian, that doesn't know everything in Farsi, and we're going to roll with it. And it's okay. You know, we learn as we we go along. And now we have a cooking show in Farsi. <laughs> amazing. It is amazing. But what motivates you to do all this? Like, what is your, 
you also have four kids. I mean, do you ever sleep? Is no. one question that I have. No. But also, <laughs> how, what is your, I mean, you are also uh, officiate weddings in Farsi. Iranian like, weddings. Iran- no, I do exactly. those in English. Okay, I in do, English, but still, yeah. Iranian weddings. You, yes. You're like part of all these events. Shahram Shapet's show, <laughs> you're a big part. How do you do it? I don't <laughs> and know. why do you do it? Why? Let's, let's get to why do you do it? Why is it so important to be involved like this? It's a really good question. What drives you? It's a really good question. And sometimes I ask myself the same thing because I'm tired and it's hard. And I, I try with every ounce of energy I have to share positivity and love and light to help uplift people in a world that is very difficult to live in. I see this in the news business. My whole entire job for 23, 24 years has revolved around news that usually isn't good. So I have used that to look at life and say, I got to find the good parts of it. I got to find the reasoning behind it. I got to find the joy because we're here. We have to be here for a reason. And I'm going to choose that this is going to be a good reason to be here. I think that has been my motivation. And as we go along and I see with my own eyes, the lives that we're able to touch and change, whether it's through mental health, whether it's through dancing, whether it's through inspiring other moms that are tired to say, hey, if Sholly can get up and do this, I'm going to try to do it. I, I, one of the things that I really hurts me is when I hear other families say, eh, well, Sholly's doing it with four kids. Look at you. Why, why are you not doing it? it I tell parents, please don't do that. Like all of us are operating on our own speed and we're trying to do the best that we can every single day. You change our words around and say, look what Sholly's doing. She gets up at three in the morning. She has four kids and she's doing all of these things. Maybe use that as an inspiration as I've had moms message me that thank you for reminding me to leave my dishes in the sink and dance with my kids today. Thank you, Sholly, for reminding me to put my arms around my husband because sometimes I'm just so mad at him and I'm mad at Bruce a lot too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but just to rem- remember to do that, remember to dance, remember to breathe, remember to be kind to yourself. All these things that I'm working through in my life, that by sharing it with other people, it's encouraging them and reminding them to do the same thing. I love that. I love that. And the first way that I found you was through your dancing on the morning show uh, during yes. the breaks. <laughs> yes. So I remember that. That's a wonderful example of exactly that, of sp- yes. spreading and joy. Who likes to get up at three o'clock in the morning or four or five or six or seven and then I go to work? Nobody know. does. But if you know. put like a right song on and you get going, like it changes the mood of the entire room. Right. Why not? And, and so, and you've also been so active. We're coming on the one-year anniversary of Mass Amini's death, and you've been so active in the past year. Can you tell me how you feel like your role has changed in the Iranian diaspora or what's been going on in the last year? I have always been proud over the years, and especially in the last 10, 15 years, of our Iranian culture and our food. And I've tried to share it. I've celebrated the Noru's and shared the, the Hormuz Sabzis and all of that with I've tried to with Americans here. I think part of that also is our responsibility. As much as it's difficult for me as a journalist, because I'm tasked to stay as balanced as possible. 
in the middle and tell stories rather than taking sides. I have sides. I have very strong opinions. Absolutely. But there is some point that with Massa and everything that we've been watching in Iran over 40 something years, that these are our brothers and sisters there. These are fellow human beings there. That how long can you just keep standing by and watching just this cruelty to humanity? It just it it just became too much. It it has been too much for forty plus years, but I think for the entire world, what we saw happen uh, September sixteenth and thereon, the world kind of opened their eyes and said, uh, "No, no, we we can't we can't stand by and do nothing. It needs to stop." Right. When was it that you worked for like Voice of America? Also. I worked for Voice of America. It was in 2003 or four-ish. Wow. Okay. So then what has your understanding of the situation in Iran or your feelings about it, has it changed since then? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think when you're younger and if you're not that involved in politics or you're just, your eyes are just looking at things different in life. This stuff in, in, in Iran has been going on for decades. Something about what happened with Massa, where we are globally, where we are in our society, where we are in our hearts and minds was just a big eye-opening moment for the entire world. Everything that we've seen just transpire over the past you know, few years. So what happened with Massa is not new. Right. Right. We know that this regime has been doing this, these atrocious things to, these, to our brothers and sisters for all these years. But it just changed. With Massa, there was just something different. There was just something Yeah, different. what would you, because 2003 was like post 9-11, and then there was the Green Movement in 2009. There was all the killings that happened in 2019. The plane crashing, too. The plane crashing. The plane? I shouldn't even say crashing. It was shot down out of the sky. Exactly, exactly. So all these things have been happening. Yeah, what do you think it was that this time was like so, so different? And that, like for you, I mean, you've been in the space for a really long time. Like, did you, uh, yeah, what what was it that changed? It's a great question. And I don't know if I have put my finger completely on it. I think social media has a lot to do with it. Okay. I think that over the years, um, things that have happened, we didn't have social, like we weren't this into social media and this connected 15 years ago, right? It didn't even right. really exist. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you felt stronger. You felt more connected. You could open your eyes and see all these Iranians. For me, one of the most enlightening things that I saw when these protests and these gatherings started and this spilling into the streets of people, and when I recover a lot of these protests, is I would stand in the street and look at all of these people, all ages, all walks of life. And I said, these people did not get to grow up in their home, in right. their country. They didn't. What happened in Iran didn't happen in Iran. I wouldn't be here. Right, right. Most of us wouldn't be here. Most of us, just like we travel and we go to Italy and Greece and Mexico. Right. Most people would stay in their their home country and you build your life over there. And all these people left. Right. Right, to get away from that. So this time with Massa, you saw on a global level something that I don't think a lot of us saw. It was like building and it was building. Right. And I can't answer the rest of it. I haven't figured out yet what it was. Bijos 
there's a cup and it just got so full that it just started spilling. Interesting. Interesting. And what's your feeling now as we come on the one year anniversary? Like, are you feeling I, a lot of things have happened? A lot of people have come and gone. How is your feeling right now, especially being in California, being kind of in the center of the diaspora? How are people doing? For me personally, I have mixed emotions. On one hand, yeah. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. I think I talk to a lot of people who are frustrated that all that people think that was done in the year that we didn't get to where we wanted to be free, raw, women, life, freedom. Having said that, I also tried to look at a different perspective and I talked to many people that are much more involved than someone like me because I, I am, I have limitations. I have restrictions on what I can do given what my job is. But I also look at it that it's like a Jenga, you know, like the Jenga game, those mm -hmm. blocks is that if you keep knocking at the foundation of this, at some point, this thing will fall. Mm -hmm. And I think what the community did over the last year coming together, there were so many new relationships that were forged. There were new alliances. This, the Iranian community outside of Iran, I think, did something that they have never done before. And that power and that unity, I don't think went completely unwasted. I think it it did what it's supposed to do. It just might take time to see that last domino fall. So that's right. where I, my perspective with that, I'm trying to look at it that way rather than, oh, we did all this and, and nothing's changed. I think things have changed and they will continue to change. And how is your relationship with the Iranian community? I mean, you were very, very involved before. Do you feel like you're even more involved now with the Iranian diaspora? Have you met a lot of new people? Mm, yes. Yeah, what's I, been going on? I was always trying to be involved with the Iranian community, but I did it culturally with Noruz and Yalda and cooking and music. Right. Now I'm connected on a whole new level. Politics is one of those things. Again, it's difficult to explain, but unless you're a journalist, you will right. know that it's we have guidelines and, and rules and it's very difficult to cover stories when you are not reporting on it. Like I'm not there to cover right. what's happening in Iran. And I can't, it's hard for a journalist to take second count like information. So this, this last year has been really challenging for me. And I don't know. I, don't, I, I wish, <laughs> I wish we really didn't go through all of this. It was really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And you've been having those wonderful conversations with Dr. Remind me her name. The uh, psychologist. Shaheem. Yes. Shaheem. Yes. 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 Wonderful conversations about just mental health throughout this time. And, and yes. I think that's super important as well. So I've been enjoying that a lot. Yeah. Mental health is a big passion of my, what I want to use my platform for. So my, what I tried to use, yes, I danced and I paired a lot. And I know that some might think, oh, she's showing off in the Miraxe, she's dancing again. Yeah, no, I was kind of like finding this way. Now I have all these amazing friends. And people that are sitting here waiting for information. So when I get the Dr. Shaheems that can come and talk about mental health and marriage and mother-in-laws and anxiety and depression, we can do that here. When I just did a, a live talking about women and weight and another, like all the stuff that I've been doing for 24 years of my life and interviewing, I can bring it here. And now we have a special little category that is all about Iran. 
because there's such a big Iranian community that has befriended me, you know, in, in social media. So we talk about issues that are important to them as well. Well, here's another thing I want to talk about in terms of Iranians and social media. So you obviously have this audience that's American from your morning show. You have an audience that's Iranian. Since I mostly work in this Iranian space, I see a lot of criticism that comes, you know, I'm always astounded by the way Iranians criticize. And I notice you talking about that sometimes too. Like I caught you on a live the other day when you were having friends over and then someone commented on what you were wearing and you were like, oh, I, I don't know how you have the energy or the patience to respond to these things. But you were like, I'm having a dinner party. This is how I want to dress because <laughs> they were like, why aren't you more fancy or something? And like, I, I see these things that people tell you and a lot of times you'll respond and you're like, listen, this is how I want to be. Do you see a difference? Am I overreacting that it seems like Iranians are way more prone to criticize or is does that has that been your experience as well? Yeah, great question. I think it's one of those things that we all know. We're really good at throwing parties. We're really good at tarofing and saying, please, no eat and come to my house. And we're really good at criticizing each other. It's part I have learned this now is part of the DNA and the culture of the Iranian people. So that is a whole other podcast. You should get psychologists involved in it because it's really fascinating. I think that many years ago, it was really hard for me as an Iranian American or American girl to understand where this is coming from. But now I have, thank goodness, found so many people that have given me the tools and the knowledge for me to go, huh, okay, so I understand. So this isn't about me. Please share. Yeah, Please share that with me because I don't know these things. (laughs) Look, there's a a, a beautiful woman who I completely admire, posted something recently, and I loved it. It says, people will love you or hate you, and almost all of the time, none of it has anything to do with you. Okay. Nothing to do with you. It's them. It's them. It's the trigger. Like for me, I am a huge trigger for Iranian community. Happy, successful, ah, woman in the Iranian community. I mean, talk about alarms going off in this community that, you know, dances and celebrated. Women being powerful and successful. It's not at our core celebrated. Right. right. It was right. maybe a long time ago, but we right. Been, right. It's just not money making off Right. Or I was going to say, like, even joy is not celebrated. Or joy like is not fun, celebrated, even though it's such a big part of no. our culture. Why right? is that? But so what the, is it that like, look at the way that we mourn. We mourn for weeks, wear black, cry, don't talk, turn everything off. You know, we're a very cancel, even with the stuff happened with um, Massa and this cancel everything. Right. Where in many cultures, including the one that I was raised in, when tragedy and, and bad things happen, people come together and they actually light up the concerts. They get community together. They raise money. They step into that power. So it, it is very much a part of who we are. How I'm affected by it is like this much now, because now I understand the source of where it's coming from. What What is the source, though? What is it? You said we should have a psychologist on, but what yeah. is your understanding of it? It's them. It's not me. It's okay. what I trigger in people. But why is it particularly Iranian? 
Oh, well, that is, I think it's cultural. I would say right, that it's, cultural. it's not just Iranian. I think a lot of cultures, when I talk to my friends in like the Hispanic culture or the Italian mm. culture, I think, I think a lot of it can get peeled back into a lot of roots with different cultures. But for us, that is something that I've been trying to dive in for years. And it goes back to what happened to this country 44 years ago. It okay. goes back to who Iranian people are. I mean, we could go back hundreds and hundreds of years and it'll tell you this is why we do what we do. Right now we're in this culture that we have a lot of Iranians in the diaspora living outside of Iran and they've become very successful. They're happy. They're living their lives. They, they did the best that they could, which sometimes I, I don't know what that feeling would be like to pack up my suitcases with my kids and nothing. That's what my husband did. He was a child wow. when he came here and then start somewhere where you don't know the language. My husband didn't know how to speak English when he came here. Wow. His family yeah. didn't and they had nothing. So mm-hmm. everything that he built, he had to do that. Can you imagine what that was like for all these people? Absolutely not. Or like the losing all of your money. Like we everything. have this importance on like saving and all of a sudden it's just gone. gone. I cannot believe your house it. or everything. your education, your diploma just ripped that right up. Ripped out. Right. So, wild. so that has a lot. That is a part of our, our story. And then you have Iranians within, within Iran or maybe did not get that chance to be successful for multitude of reasons. So there's all of a sudden a lot of resentment, envy, criticism that starts to, hey, I get that a lot. Like, why are you dancing? Why are right. you happy? I don't have it. How dare you do it? You know, so when you understand that, when one understands that, now that I understand that, I just don't, I just don't react anymore. If anything, I want to help enlighten so that they change their glasses and they see that, no, you can look at things a little bit differently. You can change things. You don't, you don't have to see life this way. Well, has it amped up more like the criticism or you, like you've just learned to react to it differently or has it increased or decreased? I think it's always been the same there's always criticism I just have learned to filter it I just don't it doesn't affect me as much it depends if there's days that I'm tired which sometimes are often or I'm dealing with stuff in my life it could hurt I don't want to think that like people think I'm immune to it because it hurts it doesn't feel somebody's I mean yesterday posted for me you old ugly woman and then right but I said you know what well, you know what? Yes, I am getting old. I can, there's nothing I can do about it. This is life. You're going to get old. You're going to get old. We're all going to get old. I don't think I'm ugly. And, <laughs> you know, I when I go to the person's account and I see who that person is, I'm like, oh, okay, thank okay. you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> Unfollow. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, is, what is your community like right now? Like, do you have mostly Iranian friends? Are you mostly... Who do you hang out with in general? Yeah. Or do you even have time to hang out? I don't know. I do. I do. I do. Okay. I have a very small group of friends. I know a lot of people. I have a very small group of friends. They're all Iranian. And I love it. Wow. I love it. Um, I just relate to them. I love dancing to Persian music. Like, love dancing. Do you all speak Persian together when you get together? Yeah. yeah okay. We speak Persian together. Um, sometimes English. Fingilisi. So it's yeah. all mixed. And then I have my 
non-Persian friends, my work friends. And I love it when I blend these two worlds together. It's uh-huh. like the coolest thing. I just had a big party at my house and some of my coworkers came up and they're like, oh my gosh, you Persians party so well. I'm like, oh, I know we're good at that. But yeah, primarily, and I'm my world has gotten smaller and smaller over the, the years, right. along with all of this. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, in this community, there's a lot of envy and jealousy and backstabbing and wanting... Dr. Shaheen brought this really cool, really cool masala example up. They did a study for psychologists. They did a study and they put all the crabs in a bucket. And then the crabs try to find their way out of the bucket. So one crab steps on the other crab, starts getting out. And finally that crab gets to the very top and he's about to get out. And what do the other crabs do? You would think they were watching that crab to follow that crab to do the same thing so they can get out of the bucket. But no, the crabs grabbed the foot of that crab and yanked them back down. And unfortunately, this is a little bit part of who this culture is, to see other people be happy, joyous, successful, doesn't sit well in some of our souls. So we grab foot and we bring them down. And with this world that I've, stepped into i've had a lot of people grab at my feet and and try to put me down so with that my world is very small my family my husband's family my children which are the most important gigas to me in my world in my life and my very few friends that's who i choose to be around right now right and i guess to kind of wrap up i think our generation you know we're here now we're we're not completely iranian we're not completely american and like your kids, for example, we're, I, I feel like we're just like a different breed now. And your kids pro- might or might not marry Iranians there. You know, who knows what will happen? Like the next generation. What is your hope for our generation and our children's generation as we're assimilating, continuing to assimilate elsewhere? What do you hope will happen? You said that you hope that we go back or your kids will be able to go back to Iran and speak Farsi. Yeah. So other than that, what is your I, I love living here in the United States. Like, this is my my home. And I know a lot of times I get people that send messages and say, why don't you speak Farsi? Why don't you speak Farsi? You know, I work and I live in the United States. I was born and raised here and I have no plans of moving out. I would love the day to come that I can take my kids just as I visit Italy and I go to Greece and Mexico that we say, let's go back and see where Sherry June, Grandma Sherry June and Nana are from. And my name, Shali, means grain of rice from the fields of Shalizar in, in Shomal, in Rash. I want my kids to always know where they're from. I want for me to know where I get these big, bushy, dark eyebrows and why I look the way that I do and who my grandma was and my great-grandmother and my cousins. I don't ever want to forget that. Yes, we're going to start a new life. We have started a new life. And my kids will as well. But I will do everything that I can, and I hope most people do, is that we don't still forget our roots. As this tree grows, it becomes big, beautiful, and we just move on. We still remember this, and this is where it all came from. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Shali Jun. And I'm going to link to, I think Instagram is the best place to find you. Is that right? Oh, dear. Yes. Only the sugary ones, please. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, our audience is all amazing. They never criticize anything. They never, they're always like, 
you just keep going. Oh, fine. That's so good. <laughs> and I also am going to post a link to your episode of Betty's of Pass with your mom because I loved it where you oh, talk about geez. your Rashi Ruth. My mom, actually, we watched it together and it was a lot of fun. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. That makes I me so I love that happy. episode. I love cooking and I love food and uh, that, that part of your work really in, I enjoy as well. Uh, which do you cook right now? Like, is that... Do you cook every day? Is that yes, that's part how of your, all Is I that what that. you have time? <laughs> yes, I love cooking. I make love time. being in my kitchen. We make time. We don't do it all every day, depending on like four kids. Yeah. Like, how is that possible? Right, right. But my favorite food for the kids when I ask them, "What do you want, mommy, to make?" Same, same with me. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, okay, well, can your favorite food be hamburgers or something? Something (laughs) quick to make. It has to be Kormasabzi. It takes me two days to make Kormasabzi. No, 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 no. We should talk offline. I will show you the fast mommy way to make Kormasabzi in like 30 minutes. Yeah, I know. I should do that. It's just, I didn't grow up with the cooking culture. So I'm like learning it as I have become a mom. But (laughs) I like... I don't know. I that just takes me a long time to There's do There's a way we will mom hack and I will tell you how to do it. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> and is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to add? Uh-huh. No, I think this is amazing. And thank you for taking time. I was telling you at the beginning, I'm so used to always doing the interviews and asking questions. Like it slightly makes me a little uncomfortable to be the <laughs> other way. And like, what you want, you're asking me questions. So yeah, wonderful. But it's, it's nice. I appreciate that. Good. Well, you're such an inspiration and I hope that everyone can take a look at the work you're doing. You constantly are uh, promoting other uh, Iranians as well. You're so gracious with your time, so generous, and and I really appreciate that about you. So Thank keep you. doing what you're doing. It's, Thank it's you. wonderful, but Thank I hope you also make time to sleep as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to go do that right now. I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Again, such a joy to have Shali on the show. If you want to find out more about her, we've linked to her Instagram on our show notes. And if you want to learn more about Iranian culture and about the Persian language, Chayin Conversation has you covered. Scroll through our podcast feed for lessons about the Persian language, Iranian poetry, and more interviews with prominent Iranians in the diaspora. And that's it for this week. Until next time. Khuda Hafez from Layla.